Uh, I, I decided not to order food because... Oh, no. Well, it's like I don't have time to really browse it, and like you know, I'm I, I, there's I've, there's obviously something I can find in my. I should just cook something. I should just get off my lazy ass and cook something instead of just stop constantly. it. No, 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 you, no, fuck that shit. <laughs> You're right. It's the is that woman. is the fan on? I can hear the. Fan. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't want to take the fan from you, but I was like, it sounds like you're in a fucking wind tunnel. <laughs> like we're doing some kind of astronaut experiment. And, and you're, you're let's say you're Beyonce's grown woman, and you're like you're Beyonce's fan tunnel. I mean, tunnel. it is making your hair look fabulous for sure. Um, oh. But uh, ah, shit. You okay? No, my headphones just fell off my head. Oh gosh! Oh gosh! Oh gosh! Um, welcome to the Feminine Mistake Podcast. Um, we're all hanging in. We're all here. We're all here. It's getting late. We're hanging in by a thread. Uh, this is a podcast, Sarah. You are making the funniest face right now. Uh, this is a (laughs) podcast about uh women in film, and we're watching movies, and we're talking about the women in those movies. And how history has looked upon them <laughs> on celluloid. <laughs> oh, are we drunk? <laughs> I feel a bit drunk. You know, so I'm drunk. on my I'm on my second La- key lime Lacroix, so anything I can happen. Am drunk. I entered into this very drunk. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie. I came home from Eddie and I having whatever, and <laughs> it just that proceeded to continue on. Is perfect. Um, <laughs> So what's everybody watching? Anybody got anything or anything watching, doing something oh that's. God. Yes, I do. Yes. What? Tales of the City by Armistead Maupin. Oh, well, we talked <laughs> about that in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good that we wanted to talk about it twice. <laughs> is, um, is there, is there something else you've been watching? <laughs> or doing. Or doing. Or, or writing. Or, or anything listening to. Talk to. About. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's like, I've literally just been watching Tales of the City. <laughs> just <laughs> Tales of the City. It's and us and, so uh, long. and too hot to handle. <laughs> yes, too hot to handle. Um, I, don't, I literally don't even know what else I've been watching. Like, I don't know. I, you know, it's all been a blur. Frankly, I it's been a my blur. Parents. I went down to my parents and so like literally we had to take a break in watching it. And we literally binge watched it today because like. Because it was, was just like, day. you were like, just waiting. I was like, when can I get home and finish this? Literally, we've been without a week without watching this. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sarah, have you been watching anything besides that creepy ex Epstein documentary that we talked about in the last? Um, I don't even think we finished talking about it. I think we started talking about it and then we veered off into something else because i gave you the synopsis and you guys were like no we were like not watching that thanks so Uh, i have watched a lot of true crime stuff and one of the true crime things i watched was a thing on hulu mm -hmm. on investigation discovery which Mm -hmm. is a crime to remember Ooh, and it's just every episode is like a different like crime from like the 50s oh and you and don't like it. You don't like it, Ava. No. Oh, I, it's I mean, crime. No. It's crime, especially bad from the fifties. Is that? <laughs> I mean, you know, given so many minority statuses, sure. like yes, Shaq, yes, uh, you're right. Um, yeah. Mm, well, actually, disgusting. the stuff that they, the episodes I've seen so far, I've seen three episodes, and they've mm-hmm. all included, like, I literally haven't seen. Actually, one of them, one of them, so they, they did peg the murder on a, a black black man when he didn't do it mm. yeah that's mm. yeah oh. okay but oh, okay. it did come out that he didn't do it and he was exonerated but still but still probably so, yeah. didn't, probably it was actually the yeah. same year but um but still oh, well yeah. oh yeah no Oof. it was yeah no the like it's an interesting show. It's not the best, but it's just like, it's kind of depressing. And so that's why I stopped yeah. after like three episodes. True crime can get inside your head for sure. 
Um, it can really get inside your head. I haven't even been listening to My Favorite Murder, which is one of my favorite podcasts. It's just like, even that is too sad. Like, I can't, I need, I need fluff. Yeah. I need nothing but fluff right now. Um, like, quarantine, you have not listened to it? I, I, I tr- I've, I've listened to a little bit of a couple episodes, and you know I love My Favorite Murder. Like, My Favorite right. Murder is, like, my favorite podcast, and I don't know why. I First of all, I haven't been listening to as many podcasts because what am I going to listen to it from my bed to the couch? Like, I'm not commuting. I do listen to podcasts when I'm doing dishes, but honestly, I've just not been listening to as many podcasts, and when I do, I'm listening to shit about Star Wars, like something that's, like, makes me feel good and doesn't make me think about the serious and sad things in life. Yeah. So I've and just, I've been for happy hours between us and Voss. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that Voss and I can just talk about star Wars and monopolize happy hour. Um, <laughs> Sarah shakes her head. No, she's like, she's like, please. No. <laughs> um, so here's what I here. One of the things that I've been doing during quarantine in honor of quarantine thirst is I've been watching a lot of films with Adam Driver in them. Um, and last night, due to my insomnia, I watched a movie called This Is Where I Leave You, um, which I think you might like, Sarah. Yeah. It's So it's got Adam Driver in it, obviously. Um, Justin ba- uh, uh, Jason Bateman. Why would I say okay. Justin Bateman? Justin Bateman is his evil twin. That, That's Justine that, Bateman. I literally knew who you were talking about. <laughs> He looks like a Justin. Uh, Jason Bateman, uh, the guy, I don't know the actor's name, but he played Elijah's boyfriend on Girls, the one who was like the reporter guy with the bald hair, any bald head. Oh, uh, Tina Fey's in it. Um, anyway, oh, uh, Jane Fonda. Who funeral? Was has, it funeral? Yes, he was at the funeral. Like, oh my God, was it the British one where it was based on the British movie, like Death at a Funeral? Oh, mate. No, no, it? Shiva. They were sitting Shiva. They were sitting Shiva, yes. I remember, and I watched it, yes. What did you, because did you like it? I did, because it was based off of, I think I do remember it, it was based mm-hmm. off Death at the Funeral, was Short Man in it. Short man. Um, no, that's a different movie. No, that's a different movie. Okay. You're talking about it, Peter Dinklage. No, no, no. no, Peter Dinklage was not in this movie. Oh, I remember now. I remember Tina Fey and the brother went off for a drive and it was really uncomfortable and they did something. Uh, No, Adam Driver and uh, J- just Justin Bateman um, go off on a drive to meet the gal ro- uh, uh, that he likes. Well... He actually, Adam Driver takes him on a drive because they're mad at their brother. And then he drops him off at the roller rink and leaves him there like a dick. And then he leaves and goes and fucks some lady, even though his girlfriend is back at the house. Anyway, yeah, it's like a bunch of people. I need people, to watch it. it. Look, okay. So I will Sarah doesn't like it. Okay. No, first of all, oh, cheater. <laughs> first of all, um, it's I will say this about it. It reminds me of literally every movie I've seen about a media, a, a sad, mediocre man who whose girlfriend like cheats on him. And then he has to like come to himself like that's like there's so many movies about that. So many. And I feel like Jason Bateman is in like 90 percent of them. Of those one. Yeah. <laughs> like he's typecast as a guy who really needs to get his shit together. Like. <laughs> I was confusing Jason Bateman with another movie that he'd been knowing. He'd been a sad sack trying to get his life together. <laughs> it's like, how many times is this guy going to have to get his life together? And how many times um, is, what's his face, who's married to Kristen Bell? Dak Shepard. How many times is Dak Shepard going to play a dick Shepherd. who fucks someone's wife? How many times is that going to happen in Hollywood? I'm so attracted to Jason I'm, Bateman. Like, Jason. He's like, got a beard in this movie. He's old. He's Wait, not hold old. On, He's like my age. Well, I don't want he has a beard in that movie. Your age, Nicole. Like, okay, he's playing gay or he's actually gay <laughs> in real life? Because we need to talk about these things. Like, is he a baby daddy? He might be. He might be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it's very like it's not very original in terms of the story, but the actors. It's got a great cast, and I. I it was like spending time with people that I like for like two hours so that's i enjoyed it um here's what i wanted to say about adam driver though having watched you know that movie obviously the star wars movies uh 
The Dead Don't Die, which I don't think really fits into what I'm about to say. And of course, Girls, which is where I saw him first was where we all was saw girls, him first. Where we all where he where we where Adam Driver came into our lives. No, oh. but not for Ava. It's okay. No. I understand why. It's not for everyone. Yeah, no. Um, it's definitely not. But uh, Adam Driver, I think one of the things that makes him so special as an actor is that he takes characters that you shouldn't like. Mm-hmm. And and somehow you like him. Like he, Kylo sh- Ren. Kylo yes. Ren. Kylo this, Ren. I know, like... He should have should been a fucking like one-dimensional villain, but he was is not, you know. Yeah. And some of and that is yes. the writing in these movies that set him up. But but I like when I look at a movie like this is where I leave you, where it's like Adam Driver's playing this like the youngest brother who's uh basically a man child, doesn't have any direction in life, has this hot older girlfriend who's paying for everything, and he cheats on her during the movie, and like he he seems like he should be a dick. In fact, some of his dialogue makes him sound like a dick, but the way that it comes out of his mouth, he's like vulnerable. Yeah. Like there's something vulnerable about him that I just want to like wrap him in a blanket. Like yeah. I just want to wrap him in a blanket because if, he's like, I just want to keep him safe. If you were yes, to Sarah. watch, if you were to watch Marriage Story, you would feel the same way because like his character is a total dick, but you still love yeah. him. How does he do it? I don't know. How does he do it? Okay. That's acting. Right. That is motherfucking acting, you guys. So I've not seen Marriage Story, but what I imagine if I did see it was I would be like, Manchild, please go get a fucking job. Oh, in Marriage Story? I does he does he's a he's, isn't he's he a, a theater he's a, director? He's a theater director, yeah. Mm, okay. Oh you mm. I think you mean this is where I leave you. Yes. I mean no, I No no Marriage Story. Oh with Marriage Story. Face, yes. With, with um face with face um, with face jo- face <laughs> johansson by the way face johansson that's what i'm going to name this episode <laughs> face johansson um, so it's like at this so i was thinking about this on my walk today like adam driver takes these characters that you should hate i know you haven't seen girls ava but there's a scene in girls when he is in the shower with uh lena dunham's character and he pees on her do you remember the scene sarah he oddly enough i've seen that scene pees on her Mm -hmm. and that should be it right like once he pees on her i should be like please break up with him and yet i'm not and i i I don't know he's got me in he's got me in this web at that point in my life what (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying there are some people who have that like Right. It's not. Yeah. I just think it's a testament to his skill that he can that he is somehow able to take these parts that or other people would play as like just like they're embracing the fact that you hate them. And there's something about him that is very sensitive and vulnerable, even amongst this bad behavior. Now, you know what I mean? If he were he would be the perfect psychopath. If he truly had no heart, but he could still portray a, vul- a vulnerability, he could have all of us wrapped around his fa- fa- finger and do whatever he wanted. I don't with think us. he really is, though, because no, he know. does all this like fucking charity work and stuff yeah. with like you know. So I don't know. I don't know him as a person, but I'm just commenting on his his acting. I love that he used Here's to be in the Marines. Like have you seen that picture of him where he's like in the Marines and he's just wearing like his u- u- uniform and he looks like such a dork. <laughs> Yes, I, I have. Um, <laughs> We've reached the ASMR portion of the episode. <laughs> what I do remember is that Eddie fell in love with him because he gave an interview at NPR, I believe it was either this year or late last year, mm-hmm. where he stopped the interview because he was like, I'm fucking not comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm having a panic attack or whatever, and I'm going to quit this. Oh, it was the marriage story interview where they played back his. He doesn't watch himself, and they played a clip for him. And he was like, I'm leaving because he doesn't watch his movies. Apparently, they give him a panic attack because he doesn't like to watch himself. I would do the same thing. I know, right? I understand. And he told me that, and I understand him completely because if you did it to me, I would want to walk out. But being black, I would not. Um, So there's that. But I would want to because I hate listening to myself. And I, I told Eddie told me that, and I was like, I get Adam Driver completely. So when we went to go see Star Wars later that year, mm-hmm. I 
basically just sobbed every time I saw him because like I get you. Oh my you. god. I get I wanna you. wrap him in a blanket. I don't want to wrap you really? in a blanket. I wanna wrap him you. in a blanket. I wanna wrap you in a blanket. I saw him as Kylo Ren in every time in the last Star Wars just like, baby, I get you. And yeah. even as his character, I would have gotten him. Mm-hmm. But it just made it even more so. I so here's what I was thinking about today though. It's like here's an example. Take the Shining, which we've all seen, right? Everyone's seen The Shining, or at least seen John, Jack Nicholson's performance in The Shining. Indeed. Yeah, so yeah. Jack Nicholson, not no argument here, great actor, but he excels at being something you want to watch, but not necessarily do I feel bad for him. Like I feel like Jack Torrance is a dark person in The Shining, is a dark person so dark. who who get who just is manipulated into giving into his most dark places, right? Mm -hmm. The way that he's portrayed in the movie, which is a great take on it. I'm not saying that Jack Nicholson wasn't great in the movie, but take a moment to think about what if Adam driver were playing that character. And there was a lot bit, a lot more of an internal struggle going on there. What the, how that would have changed the dynamic of that movie. For sure. I mean, in the book, I would have hated it. Huh? What? You would have hated it? (laughs) (laughs) I need my bad guys to be bad. Um, No, because I'm just saying like in the shining, the book, the, 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 the Jack Torrance is a man who wants to be good. And he's, and he is having a lot of trouble doing that. And I, and there was actually, I felt like there was real love between Jack and Wendy in the book but in the oh, movie they didn't seem like they no, loved each other at all no. so I'm just saying like what if that Adam character driver. was the, yeah I'm just What's saying weird hashtag is that Adam Driver in the Shining remake anyway um right so now. as Brene Brown right says and the story that I'm telling myself because that's what she says mm-hmm. the story that I'm telling myself about the Shining is that what you said that the two of them Jack and Wendy loved each other and all what I've pieced together between The Shining and that horror movie we watched the other week. Oh, that was Doctor mm, Sleep. Whatever. I love Doctor Sleep, but I walked out no. during the Bat Boy scene. So that was thank good. you, thank that God, everyone good, told me to leave. That was a good movie, but I've never actually seen The Shining except mm. in in pop culture visuals. Sure. So I love it. I don't That's know what really my point was, but well, you don't like horror movies, though, right? I do not. I oh, hate them then you shouldn't so watch it. It's very scary. In my friend trip tab, um, the first time he showed Harry Potter to me, I thought it was a scary movie. <laughs> <laughs> it has some scary moments for sure. And uh, he anyway, loves Star Wars, like he can make the perfect Chewbacca sound. Like Ooh. he loves Star Wars, and I was like, "We're not doing that." But you can show me Harry Potter when we were in like eleventh grade or whatever. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. Have you seen Star Wars? It sounds like you've... Have you seen ones that don't have Adam Driver in it? Or... So, my dad also tried this game. And... um, (laughs) How many people do we know who haven't seen Star Wars, Nicole? It blows my mind. What I do remember are Ewoks. Okay, so you saw Return of the Jedi. That's a good one. In theory. What I do remember are Ewoks, and I wanted an Ewok. Um, I do remember... Raw, raw, the machine thingies that look like elephants, but they're yep. not elephants. Mm-hmm. The ats, yeah, the ATATs, yeah. And then the last thing I really remember. Or maybe it was the ATSDs. And the last thing I really do remember is um, Chewie standing at some ceremony. And no, like, you've seen all of them then. That sounds like you've seen all of them because Chewie is at the end of the first. That's the end of the first movie. <laughs> the at ats are in the second movie. And then the 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 Ewoks are in the third movie. So it sounds like you've Stop seen it. everything. Stop it. Yeah, it so my like dad loves sci-fi. I have seen them. Do I remember mm-hmm. anything? No, those are literally the only thing I remember each movie. You've, you've got the highlights. <laughs> so they re released the films when I was starting when I was eight and Mm -hmm. so I saw them for the first time in the theater fuck off I'm so jealous I'm so so jealous but you did see them with the shitty revised true social special effects that I hate um I'm jealous I'm so jealous 
you know, boo on you. You know, Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Banks, fun fact, uh, Ahmed Best, who plays Jar Jar Banks in the prequels, received so so much hatred. So bad for him. That it, like, really fucked him up. Like, fucked him up real bad. But you know what? Him and also whatever, little baby, whatever. uh, uh, Jake Lloyd, yes. Um, So, but here, the story has a happy ending because Ahmed Best is now the host of a game show through Disney Studios where he plays a Jedi and kids have to complete Jedi tasks in a temple. And it's like a game show, but it's on the web. So it's not on Disney, but it's like on Mm -hmm. the web. And like the internet, because of course I follow these people that fucking love Star Wars, is lavishing so much like adoration on him it just like warms my heart because everybody's like retweeting it and they're doing all this fan art of Ahmed Best like dressed as a Jedi and like I feel like he's having his moment finally and I'm just I'm happy for him that he's getting his moment because you know that was fucked up what people did yeah that was fucked up what I did back then and what I sent from the internet so yeah I mean, I didn't like Jar Jar Binks either, so I contributed to the problem. And you, sometimes you forget there's like a man under those ears. You know? Yeah, you forget that until you become an actor and then you realize, mm-hmm. oh my God, what if I took a horrible role and I fell that same fate? So yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's only selfishness that prevents us from doing a lot of horrible things. Yeah. So I think this is a great segue into talking about this week's film which is where this is a part two of our discussion on all about eve which is all about actors and roles and what we do to get a part right Mm -hmm. so let's uh let's jump right back in to that discussion of all about eve the house is a mess jack the kids are a mess jack you're a mess jack you have been a total bitch ever since you came to new york you seem sort of distant let's just do it you look stupid and rich. Stupid and stupid and rich. Fascist. All right, let's get into it. So I would like to talk uh, about the speech that Bill gives about the theater, because I know this is a big moment for you, Ava. And I, I actually, uh, I pulled up the speech. Uh, on, oh, so that, uh, oh, you have it already. It is one of, it was one of my monologues. Like, Ooh. like, it was like I'm trying to. So you've see auditioned with the speech. It's not that I auditioned. It was just like this would be a good speech to record and sure. then maybe audition with. But I mm-hmm. don't think I even have it right here. Like, well, I have I have it pulled up in another tab here. So let's see. Um, let me just make my zoom screen a little smaller so I can see it. I'm I don't I don't feel like I should read the whole thing because I certainly don't want to, you know, make it. <laughs> make this about me but uh let's see i'll just read a little bit here um so bill this is when uh eve first is in her dressing room is in Margot's dressing room and she meets bill for the first time and uh so he has this whole speech about what the theater is to him and he says uh the theater what book of rules says the theater exists only within some ugly buildings crowded into one square mile of new york city or london or paris or vienna do you want to, and I'm skipping around, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, do you no, want to know sir. what the theater is? A flea circus, also opera, also, he said rodeos, which I thought was hilarious. Also, <laughs> right? rodeos, carnivals, ballets, Indian tribal dances, Punch and Judy, and one man, um, one man band, all theater. Wherever there's magic and make-believe and an audience, there's theater. And there's, it goes yes. on after that, but I'm going to stop there. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about that speech. I jump in. I'll, jump in there because i love what i love about this speech and i was struggling the reason i love this speech so much is because like i was taking my first real dramatic writing classes and i was also really considering like do i want to become an actor after this mm-hmm. and what i loved about that speech is that at the time i was doing poetry i was doing poetry with the Atlanta Career literary festival and mm-hmm. with, at uga but i viewed it as a form of theater and for me, it validated my own feelings about like mm-hmm. what theater is, what art is. Like I had this whole mm-hmm. thing with, I think the poet's name is Brodsky, but just like, it may not mean much 
to you is what the gist of the speech says to me. Mm-hmm. It may not mean much to you, but what it means to me or whomever it means something to, that is a purpose of theater. And Oh, yeah, that's really right. He does. goes on to say you may not like it. Right. You may not like it. You may not love it, but it is theater. Right. And to me, that means so much more as an artist and speaking about art in general mm-hmm. is that you may not like it, you may not love it, but this is art and it means something to somebody and don't belittle that. And it's not just about art. It's also, I don't agree with a lot of religious mm-hmm. ideas and aspects, but it's, I will not disrespect them because the core is it means something to somebody. Right. And if it means something to somebody, don't disrespect it, treat it mm-hmm. as they treat it. Right. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think that this also, the speech in 1950 meant more back then because, like, back then, like, film was still this thing that was, like, is mm-hmm. it real, like... A lesser the- form. Theater? Is it a lesser mm-hmm. form of mm-hmm. yeah. of plays, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially, like, and then you got into TV being, like, TV is a little lesser mm-hmm. than film and, like... Which I there was a joke in- about that later when with with uh, Marilyn Monroe. Anyway, please. All continue. of those yeah. things, like even before um, Bill is leaving for Hollywood, like that's where that speech is delivered. Like, mm-hmm. film is not lesser than theater. And then the whole joke with Marilyn Monroe. Sorry, where they where she they're like, you're not really cut out for the theater, but you should audition for television. And it's like, oh, right. burn. Um, yeah. Anyway, you were saying, Sarah. Yeah, well, which is crazy because like all of that is a true form of art and great. Art. I mean, obviously, like TV now, like oh my gosh, is, they're so yeah. like it's the best. Like, and the yeah. thing about TV is you can tell s- such more like long mm-hmm. store sto- stories, like long form. Mm-hmm. Like um, you can really stretch out the development of a character over yeah. time. What I think really helped me with that speech too is I think after that speech, and I'll never forget this. My roommate from for the longest time was he was this guy who was very quintessential UGA like he loved football he came in really loving um mm-hmm. WWE or whatever that stuff is you know the oh fighting. I watched that in college for sure and what I really loved about Bill's speech and what re- made me really respect that is not only my love of theater my sort of formal love of ballet but it made me realize, like, whether it's football or WWE, like, that is its own form of art and mm-hmm. own form of ballet or physical whatever that mm-hmm. should not be disrespected as well. Like, it's not mm-hmm. just what we think of, like, art, but it's, it's also... improvised performance. Yes. And, like, don't disrespect it either for other people. Right. Yeah. And that's why I didn't do sports, because it's, it's improv. And I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> Improv. I, I love improv. improv. Oh, you guys. I love it. I miss improv. I miss improv dearly. Um, I you know, I this uh speech rang to me uh in a in in all those ways. Um, but also it made me kind of think about the the unique situation we're all in, which was there is no fucking theater you can go to. Um and so people are trying to do whatever they can. Yeah. uh, And I joked about that in the chat that, you know, like it's it's uh you know, it's the opera, it's the flea uh you know, the flea show or whatever, it's it's the Zoom call, you know, like we're all trying yeah. to figure out how do we make art distantly for as long as we have to. And when we get back together, what is that going to look like? So, um, you know, it, it really sort of made me feel all those feelings. But but uh, but yes, the, the I feel like uh, there's this when you're an artist, there's this constant battle. And I know we've talked about this on the show before for legitimacy. Like, am I a real artist? Yeah. Am I a legitimate artist? Do other people see me as a legitimate artist? And uh, so uh, this, of course, feels good. It feels good to be reminded that if you're doing it, it's art. And it doesn't matter where it's being done or whether anyone even likes it or not. Okay, so Sarah, you had something you wanted to touch on. Yes. Why is Marilyn Monroe in this film? What does her part do for the film? Why? Comedic relief. She has a sexy blonde who talks like this, and she has a very <laughs> breathy voice and a very busty chest. And it she's so blonde. This is she me wears off. fur. She's so vulnerable. Uh, There's no I point. She was supposed so to be I... there for comedic relief, and also because she has to be there to do the audition, but do it badly, so that Eve can get the part. Right. 
and she's mm-hmm. also there for company like so the company can introduce a new star or whatever and mm. whatever i don't know i watched it with my ex and he was like that's my one row and i was like oh my god look at her she's so sad mm-hmm. yeah she's i really mean it's not a great person. part yeah. it's not a great part but the narratively the purpose she serves i think the reason i don't think we would have noticed her if she wasn't marilyn monroe to be honest you guys no i know right. but i'm saying the that, part that, itself didn't do anything well so well no i think it did yeah okay you go ahead well, I was just going to say, like, the way that she asked for the drink from Max, I think that is meant to highlight what Eve is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's that sort of manipulation she's thing. the other side of another person trying to break in. Like, this is another way, and her way of right. breaking in is by being with this old man. Right, and so she knows her part. Where Addison is like, you're going to go far. And she acknowledges that with a wink and a nod. And the whole thing is like, Eve is trying to do her. She's trying to do the whole Maryland thing, but from a different angle. From the whole bookworm angle. Like, I'm so devoted Mm -hmm. to you. But it's like, they're both doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, Marilyn Monroe's part Mm -hmm. is almost doing it a lot less usury. Like, it's just relying on Mm -hmm. her. A woman, like her own personal whatever, instead of the way that Eve is using someone else to raise her status, if that makes any sense. It's mm-hmm. just weird. Like, I think that if she would have no, played it more sus haughtily, and if they would have dressed her, covered her up a little bit more, I would have. I was so focused on the sexuality of her mm-hmm. and not her as a person, her as a character, why she was there. It was all about boobs and, and, no brains. I don't know. It was sure. Just like, but I think that was the point is that that was that characterization was meant to be like, here is a um, another woman trying to break a starlet trying to break in or whatever they would call a starlet in the theater. And um, and then narratively, her purpose is that she is like supposed to audition for this part that she gets through Max, but she does so badly that Eve is able to shine through the reading and it gets the attention of the other people. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, and I am approaching it from a totally different perspective, like three times watching it, but each time I, I don't feel like the sexuality of Marilyn Monroe's part stuck out so much as the different tactic that was deployed that contrasted so much with Eve in the tactic mm-hmm. that Eve was deployed. Whereas I feel like Marilyn's character was so conscious of her manipulation and what she was doing. Mm-hmm. There was almost an unconscious part on Eve's manipulation. And I, for what, for me, what clearly defined that moment of unconsciousness versus consciousness is she's, Eve is on that staircase and she's describing what theater means to her. And it's mm-hmm. this very personal moment. And maybe she's mm-hmm. playing it, maybe she's not, but she's mm-hmm. describing what the theater means to me. And then she looks around like, oh my God, like you just saw something very personal. Um, mm-hmm. But yet Eve is dressed so conservatively, whereas you have Marilyn who is dressed very sexually. She's talking very babyish and clearly mm-hmm. like, there's this commentary about women independency and Marilyn asking for this drink without really asking for it and and mm-hmm. Max going to get it. Like there's there's this whole dynamic that's playing Again, I, to I me think that, that was all is, like supposed to be funny. Yes, yes. No, yes. It depressed yes. the shit out yes. of me. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. I just think that that was what the intention was. I, 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 I don't know why I, maybe I didn't, I guess I didn't pay as much attention to it, uh, but I can see why it's upsetting. I mean, it's, if we're talking about object, objectification. I mean, that's really what it is. It's like, yeah. let's get a pretty busty gal in there and, but also and look, she's so dumb that it'll be funny. You know? And also like just knowing her store, store story and how she died and like, just mm-hmm. like all of that was like flashing across my brain as i saw her play this part and i was just like oh i hate this 
well, in a way, it's like a I, microcosm of how she entered the business of like being thrust in there as like this yeah. sexy object. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what that character is, yeah. except for Marilyn, you know, and, th- and that the whole joke about how she can't act, you know, how everybody always said that Marilyn can't act. And that's the, what the character is. I mean, obviously, we know she can act. Um, it wasn't her. It was her. She was very good at acting like a person like that a she jumbo. wasn't. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and I think it's important to remember, remember that the actors and actresses, like male and female of that time period, were playing into roles. Like they yeah. were, and I think not only the um, limited series Hollywood does a good job of that, but also even even what I mentioned earlier, Tales of the City, mm-hmm. it brings in this idea of of how structured the idea. Of femininity and masculinity were like Mm -hmm. throughout all all that time period and how i think maybe we take it for granted during this time that it's not so structured during this time right yeah um so there's one thing we haven't talked about yet which i think is pretty important and that is the cape the cape at the end of the film that Eve wears at her award ceremony, like as she's leaving the award ceremony is the Sarah Sidden society where she Addison DeWitt places it upon her and then she mm-hmm. wears it into the taxi and then she takes it into her hotel room and she tells Addison like, I'm going to go to rest. And then she takes it off and she's like, Oh, you milk, mm-hmm. milk, a toast, whatever. Right. Like and then she <laughs> takes it off and then milk, a toast. I know I I want a whole movie about that cape where just different people wear that cape I want that I feel like that cape deserves its own feature film so okay I'm going to tell you Edith Head designed that cape and Edith Head of course she did of course she did and Mm -hmm. for the viewers who may not know I feel like you may have glimpsed a bit of her in The Incredibles when they based that entire Mm -hmm. Edith character off of Edith Head who designed yeah. the Incredibles costumes. I want to bring her back to life to design me that cape for the Duchess. Okay, for what I, what I was going to say is that, um, Ava, if you make a Duchess feature film, or when you make the waltz, there must be that is the coronation a cape. A cape. I, that, I've already envisioned the coronation for the Duchess and how it will take place in Atlanta and what will take place, but the missing component is the wardrobe and mm-hmm. that cape filled in a missing part for me mm-hmm. of what was needed of what would make that true coordination to make me the duchess. I mean, it would really bring everything together thematically, and you, spiritually. And you know someone who could make make that cape, right? Andy? I do. Yeah, this cape needs to happen. I mean, that cape. I swear, I just like once that cape was on screen, I could look at nothing else. It didn't even really matter what was happening. Like all I cared about was that cape. It was truly magnificent. You saw what I posted about the sixty greatest capes in cinematic history, which, by the way, was an excellent read, and we'll have to post it to the page. (laughs) Right, and what I spent after that until the moment I went to bed because I could not say wicked any longer was research capes silk capes that were embroidered and let me mm-hmm. tell you did it take me down a five thousand dollar cape route yes it did and did i consider oh that God. cape route yes i did um worth every penny you but, can make a whole you can make a whole worth, short film with that money but the cape it would be worth it like it literally would. the budget for the feature film for the duchess is literally half of it is wardrobe Half of it is wardrobe, and as it should be, as it should be, as it should be. Um, so uh, just to wrap up the film, of course, uh, the the film is bookended by the sort of awards ceremony where Eve is, um, she's uh, receiving an award. I don't remember Sarah Simmons or something. Was that it? Siddons. Sarah Siddons. Is that a real person? Yes, it was in the okay. theater. I remember looking at the set for my paper, and Sarah Siddons was an actual um, actress in New York at that mm-hmm. time. But mm-hmm. well, not that time, but previously. But mm-hmm. she did not have an actual award. Okay, so it was just like they were honoring 
somebody in this movie who was a real person, yeah. but it was a fake award. So yes. we've got. So, sorry, I think that so back. It was end. an award. It was an award in Chicago. Oh, and okay. it was a statuette of the Welsh stage actress Sarah Siddons, but okay, I don't know. If okay, I have a question time, though. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they do it at the Oscars? Because I think that everyone could recognize that and be like, "Oh, that's a big deal." Because she wasn't getting an award no. for being in film. That's true. That's true. Yeah. About, yeah, it was a the theater t- award. Doing Tonys when I don't think the Tonys were a Tonys at that time. And mm. so in reading the IMDb page from just right now, and I remember reading it for when I was researching this film, Joseph Mankiewicz was awarded the Sarah Sidden Society. And mm. later he was, a, he was a winner of the 1950s or sorry. I don't know what year, but um, apparently everybody in the movie basically was awarded the award. Celeste Holmes in 1968, Betty Davis in 1973, and and I don't think she got it because she already got it in the film. So she gets the award. Everybody's looking at her like they want her to eat shit and die. Uh, She goes home. And that's, of course, when she met, when she meets Milk Toast, her own personal stalker. And I really want to talk about this last image at the end and like what this says about what I guess the movie is trying to say, which is that, you know, um, Eve is sort of exhausted. She doesn't want to go to the after party. Um, and Milk Toast tries on the cape and the and has the award and is in this like sort of like mirror, this like uh, what do, what would you call that? Um, uh, one of those bendy things like a. Try trifold mirror, trifold mirror. mirror, and she's like, you know, uh, holding bowing. the award and bowing, and you see like hundreds of her. And so, what does that mean? Like, what are we supposed to take away from that image, which I think is a really powerful image? So, her name is Barbara Bates, and her okay. character name was Phoebe. And oh, right, right, Phoebe. I don't know why that's important, but um, <laughs> just giving her a name and a face. Um, but what I think that it's a commentary on the nature, not, I feel like it's what the typical image we have of Hollywood of like mm-hmm. a young person, quote unquote, sucking the blood from an older person. But I think mm-hmm. it carries on that tradition of it being a lot older than just that film trope that we have that mm-hmm. it goes back to theater, probably opera and probably before then of this whole mm-hmm. idea of of the crone older woman being usurped by the virginal younger woman. Sure. Um, yeah. Which is I crazy because like Eve is still pretty fucking young. Did you notice how in that scene, she's though, she transformed into a Margot character? That's why I said, watch the c- c- cigarette. We've n- never seen Eve smoke before. Right. And then she took right. out the cigarette. Right. Yes, absolutely. Back and had the deeper voice. So and she's had becoming the, the becoming the jaded mm-hmm. one. But I was more drawn to the fact that we're looking at hundreds of her. So is this yes. meant to mean that yes. this is like all of these ho- actresses are just carbon copies? Like it's just a factory of actresses being churned out? That's what that no, image said well, to me. Well, not to me. It, because look, there's so many of them. It's like they're just all lined up waiting to pounce on like the young it next it girl is waiting to pounce on whoever yes. the it girl is at the moment. That's what it yes. kind of said to me. Yeah, that, that's what it said to so me. So here's what I hate about it too is that I feel like it plays upon the vanity of an aging woman of like mm-hmm. wanting. And so here's what I hate too about the film is that it it plays on Margot's vanity mm-hmm. of Eve like playing into that vanity, but then also into the prototypical role of a woman of like being this maternal figure and mm-hmm. wanting to fulfill that and mm-hmm. and I feel like Margaret's character like she does want to be a maternal figure like I think we mm-hmm. all whatever gender you want to mentor someone mm-hmm. and so Margaret really does want to mentor someone but it's mm-hmm. just someone who is treacherous lecherous yeah and I I really hate that about that because like it it plays into this deep seated fear of, of being a mentor being or vexed. or women helping yeah. other women yeah yeah like which is that specifically like that we all like, that we can't help each other because we're everybody we're all trying to backstab each other that's fucked up yeah. 
Right. And, and and I I feel like I think that's why Margot gets a bad rap in this is that you you get this horrible sense of her. And I do feel like that the maternal role that she plays in this is very genuine. And that mm-hmm. Eve is playing this very disingenuous part. And that is what mm-hmm. is that's what's so hurtful to me as an audience member. And I think that's what's so mm-hmm. hurtful to Margot is because like she was being very genuine in her mentorship in her maternalness mm-hmm. that she probably probably would not have in this relationship with a man who's younger than her and being a mother and all that. But mm-hmm. this is this way to give back. And it's someone who is just using her. Like I, right. I honestly feel for Margaret throughout all of this of just mm-hmm. someone using her and really being hurt by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I well, the other thing Sorry. that bothers me about it is that like, no, no. The other thing that bothers me about it is I feel like men, like male actors are not looked at the same way. Like we don't think of male actors as like in this way where another male actor is coming in to use, because yeah. like as male actors age, they get distinguished and they get these better roles, these meatier, better roles. And they're still like, I'm sorry, but the guy playing Bill is not 32. There is no fucking way that guy is 32. In the movie, he's supposed to be 32. He looks 50. There was a whole conversation yeah. about that, that there was no way that he could be fucking no. 32. No. Clearly, he was in his 60s. 60s. I will no. I will say what I old. what I will say is <laughs> that conservatively. Okay, listen, Margot. Margot looks fifty. He looks forty-two. Okay, me. maybe yes. sure. Yeah, but he's not thirty-two, and that's the point. Actually, no, no, yeah. You're right. She does. But Margot is reasonably forty-two, and I think. Actually, Betty Davis was in her 50s, if I remember my research correctly. Yeah. But the thing is, I remember Bill, there's no fucking way that he was in his goddamn 30s. No way. No No goddamn way. But we never think about male actors as like an it boy who's now being replaced by, you know what I mean? Maybe in the music industry. But even then, it's like the Rolling Stones are still like touring. And like Mick Jagger is still fucking sleeping with groupies. So it's it's just like it's a totally different... He's still, he's got his, his cobwebby, like old shriveled penis just touring the country and nobody has any problems with it. <laughs> and. Okay. Let me just comment on that right there. Um, actually not comment on that, mm-hmm. but let me just comment on Lloyd and Bill because mm-hmm. let's just. And here's where I don't like to editorialize, but let me pull it forth a little bit. Um, here's where I don't like to editorialize, but I do like to a little bit in thinking that maybe Joseph Mankiewicz was just maybe a little bit bisexual or whatever, mm-hmm. because I feel like there's a clear difference between Bill and Lloyd in masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's not quite tangible to me at the moment in mm-hmm. Nazimut for the past 10 years. But there was... I don't know if it was a youngerness to Lloyd or trying to capture a youngerness through yeah, an affair. I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. It's just, it's this weird, it, it's a commentary on, it is very much a commentary on the entertainment industry. And clearly at the time, like theater was king or queen or whatever you want to call mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But it, I feel like there's a commentary on both genders where most of it was on women. Mm-hmm. But there was also this clear dichotomy between men, which fell into the whole playwright versus director, mm-hmm. whatever. And actually, playwright, director, and producer, like if mm-hmm. you want to throw Max into that and not be generational. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that. But let's go into it. No, that makes sense. Um, final thoughts. I can hear you. I, I love this movie. <laughs> I I uh would you recommend to a friend? Yes, wholeheartedly. I actually this is a friendship test. Mm, I hope I've passed yeah. the test. You have. Yay. Uh I would I would absolutely actually, I would recommend this movie for sure. Um I feel like uh it's really good. The writing is spectacular. 
Uh, Betty Davis is amazing. Um, and it's interesting. It's a very interesting movie, and uh, the performances are great. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that if you haven't seen All About Eve, you should check it out. Sarah? Yes. Uh, I would I would definitely re- recommend this film. I've loved this film since I was 8 or 9 or 10. Um, I forget how old I was, but, yeah. So that's recommendations all around. I'm going to amend that recommendation yes. in saying that I feel like part of that recommendation for me was amended because of trans issues. I forget what I was trying to say. I'm sorry. No, please take it. your time. Take your time. Cause I can always like, uh, I'm dying to know I'm dying. I feel like it was amended. God, what was I trying to say? I had it so clearly a minute ago. So your 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 feelings changed. They haven't changed. They've actually. Oh, okay. I feel like they've actually just grown more solidified in that the predecessor to my current shift that I'm working on, the Waltz. Mm-hmm. My direct influence of this was a movie called, funny enough, Ava. Yeah. But it was influenced by Joseph Mankiewicz, and it was about literally two female characters. It was about a straight woman and a trans character who were finding a friendship in the midst of everything. And it has everything to do with this film because, like, so you take this movie, and then you take um, all about Baby Jane or whatever. Or what's what the matter? Jane or what's the matter with it. Baby Jane? Or yeah. Right. So be a good double feature. Right. And you take the central line in that movie that Eddie and I quote all the time, which is, you mean all this time we could have been friends. Mm. And it's just like, if Margot and Eve could have been friends, Mm -hmm. it's kind of the central premise. They could have helped each other. Big time. Right. And it's a proto- it's a proto whatever of my script for a film called Ava, which is probably never going to be released. Oh, I want it to be though. That's I, you can't just drop that. What? You can't just drop that beautiful b- tidbit. I love and then that, just that never. You, you read it in writer's group. Like Laura literally okay. read, read the part of Evelyn. Okay. And someone else read the part of, oh. I think Sarah, is, you read is, the is part of. Is it the one of, when I, I cried? Was that? No, I don't know. It was at a it was at a luncheon where like the two women met at a lunch. I I honestly don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I don't remember. I'll I think you're gonna have to bring it, bring it again. Bring it again. Yeah. Yeah. But it's never gonna be released. I'm not. Why? Married. I don't know. No, no. Seriously, why? I'm sorry. I'm just like because this sounds amazing. Mainly because. Mainly because like. So if I'm getting honest, mm-hmm. like why I chose the name Ava is because of all about Eve. Mm-hmm. Like I chose Ava because like Eve draws from the biblical Eve mm-hmm. and I wanted something that was symmetrical, mm-hmm. but that was not Eve. Mm-hmm. And so the other variation of that was Ava. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how much I love this movie. And that's how much I love Joseph Lincoln. Oh my God. Um, so great. That's beautiful. But and so the titular, the titular character in that screenplay, it was the second screenplay that I wrote mm-hmm. for my dramatic writing class with Dr. Shelby Huddleston, mm-hmm. and I, and it was based on a story I heard from my aunt about a woman whose husband was having an affair on her, mm-hmm. and she decided I'm gonna take my child and I'm also gonna clean out your bank account. And we're going to go live a new life. But I added in the factor of what if she became friends with the mistress? Ah, um, all about Eve and um, the women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I changed the name for the character at that time to Ava. Mm-hmm. But I love the name Ava so much that. It's a great name. Yeah. Well, Thank maybe you. they'll. Well, bring that script in. I'd love to see it, and maybe yeah. there's some way to make it. If you, if you know, work. It sounds like a great story, so maybe there's a way to yeah. make it in a way that you feel comfortable sharing with other people, or maybe not. Sometimes we just write things for ourselves, yeah. and that's okay too. Yeah. 
it was written 10 years ago and 10 years ago I, too i also wrote what was then called the decision which yes a mutual friend of ours produced yes that and, was the well he produced that was the it. first time i worked with you and on a set because i was doing the sound it was oh my god I was, I, it I was, was. I was location sound for that shoot yeah oh my god and um yeah so i need to get to a point where i can release that mm. and feel comfortable releasing it emotionally yeah, i get that um so, yeah. i love you i love you too ava i love you um I love both of you. And I'm I'm so glad that I got that we had you on to talk about this movie that's so special to you. Like well, what a okay, what a a, gift. Eva actually told me she was mm-hmm. like, if you guys ever have me on again, you should we should do all bad Eve. And I that, that's why I told you, Nicole. I was like <laughs> I was like, we should do all bad Eve. I'm she so wants glad to do. I'm so glad that we did. I'm so glad that we did this movie. Um It is truly my favorite movie and I I'm sorry, I really want to give a shout out to Dr. Shelley Huddleston because not only was she instrumental in my script writing, like she she was probably the first person I came out to and not just like transgender wise, but also emotionally wise Mm -hmm. in so many other ways. And And I hate the way that the university system of George treated her but she was so helpful to me. That's beautiful. I wish I could hug you. I know, me too. <laughs> I miss your hugs. I know you have such good hugs. I miss your hugs too. I think I would. I think the first time I hug someone, I'm gonna cry. Like. I hugged my mom last week and like we held the hug for so long. Aww. It was like, it was like a minute and we both were just like, I did the same with my mom last week. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, we're, of course we're all still being careful, but it's nice to be slowly and safely starting to, you know, see people in our inner circles family members and things when we can because you know that we're all trying to stay healthy and safe but you know we also need human contact um so uh the, i feel like i feel this is well i'm not even sure if this is a, a, an appropriate segue but i feel i want to do the spectral test is that okay? Let's <laughs> Should do we it. do the Bechtel no, test? No, that's a perfect yeah. segue. I'm not yes. very good with the segues. Let's be real here. Dr. Huddleston will be so okay, happy. Good. Like, I well, for Dr. Huddleston, we will do the Bechtel test. Um, so uh, does this film have more than one female character? Yes. It yes. does. Uh, do those female characters have names? Yes. yes. Do they talk to each other? Yes. yes. And do they talk about something other than a man? I think so. Yeah. They do. I mean, it's, I they talk so careers yeah. and parts and, you know, the outfits and that the whole dress. Scene between Margot and Karen, like in that car scene where yes. Karen is like torn between telling Margot. And, Car- and Margot is like opening yeah, she's up, just like, opening you know what? her fucking soul to Karen. And Karen's like, <sighs> I know she's like, <laughs> but that is not the only instance. Like that also happened between like Eve and Margot yeah, yeah. and Eve and Karen. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I this film, I give this film a big thumb, two enthusiastic thumbs up for passing the Bechtel test. I think in a in a time where that wasn't always the case, and certainly yeah. there are plenty of films that we've watched in the modern time that were that, that did not pass the Bechtel test. Uh, Ex Machina, which we watched last month, did not. Uh, not that no. that movie had, I mean, one of the female no. characters couldn't even speak. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think this movie does an ex. Look, even though I think the writing of the female friendships are a little rocky, and I think you're right, Ava, that it might be because there's a there's a commentary being made on made there about the depth of friendships in a professional entertainment environment. Um, I think the movie does an excellent job of giving the female characters a depth and a life of their own that exists outside of the men yes. in the film. And that's, that's wonderful. very true. Very true. If you watch a letter to three wives, which was also by Joseph Mankiewicz, I would be happy to comment Ooh. on that. It seems or like we're going to have to have a whole Joseph Mankiewicz series. 
feel like we have to now. I love his writing. I mean, it's so yeah. good. It's great. Literally, like I placed him up there with Aaron Sorkin, Amy Sherman, and Palladino. Like those, literally, are my three screenwriting influences. I will take that to the grave, and I don't mind broadcasting them out loud. I mean, those are some. Those are some heavyweights. Those are some good. Uh, some good influences to have. Uh, welcome to Plug It Up. Uh, this is the part of the show where we talk about uh, all the great things that we're doing despite quarantine. <laughs> and uh, of course, we want to start with our guest first. Ava, what have you got going on? So I don't know if the two of y'all know this, even though you worked on it, but um, mm-hmm. we've got a short little film coming out called The oh. Dutch of Grant Oh, Park. tell me more about it. Oh. It is about a lady who claims Grant Park as her duchy, and there is this reporter who's trying to find out, well, what? You can't do that. This is America. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. <laughs> this is so, um, America. In right, quotes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's this reporter trying to figure out who is the duchess of Grant Park, and the duchess is all like, yo, I'm the duchess, so respect me. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, it's an awesome film. We have, well, written, of course, written and starring Ava Davis, directed by Brandon Mitchell, who was our guest a couple months ago on our Sabrina episodes. And, um, uh, you guys have been working on this for a while, been working on it since, uh, last year, right? Yeah, we have. It's been quite a minute and we are so excited to have the film, like, getting close to completion and finally getting to submit it to festivals and share it out there and getting closer to a broader release with everyone and everyone who helps support the film. Absolutely. And it's a wonderful film. And uh, all of you out there listening should follow uh, the Duchess of Grand Park on social media. So you know exactly when you can see this film. Ava, yes. where, do, where can we go to find the Duchess? So you can go to www theduchessofgrantpark.com or you can go to Instagram and follow the Duchess on Duchess of Grant Park or you can go to Facebook and do the exact same thing at Mm -hmm. Duchess of Grant Park Mm -hmm. or you can even go to Twitter which Duchess is not quite fond of the tweets the tweets and you can follow the twits and (laughs) all, all those at Park Duchess which is quite different from all the others but that's what was available so yeah. The royals are quite harsh on the Twitter rules. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Because they're like, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. um, I in the in in with that, I would also like to plug the episode from the Georgia Made podcast about the Duchess of Grand Park, where Ava told us all about the film, the making of it, the inspiration behind it. Um, so of course the uh the Feminine Mistake podcast, we took like a, a hiatus between seasons three and four and Sarah and I did something called the Georgia made podcast where we talked about Georgia film and Georgia filmmakers and um, Ava told us all about the Duchess. And so you should go and check out that episode um, and learn more about the Duchess. And it's, it's awesome film. And I can't, I can't wait for everyone to see it. I also want to plug the Roman holiday episode that Ava did with us on the the feminine mistake podcast. Absolutely. Season two. Season two, um, if you go to, uh, of course, if you are listening on any of your podcast apps, um, you, you know, Roman Holiday, and then the, there were several other mini episodes associated with that. You okay, Eva? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened? Eddie just oh, it's Eddie. Happened. Eddie's joining us for a podcast. He fucking scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, dear. Hi, Eddie. I'll be to bed early. They say Hi. We've kept you up way too late. We've kept you up way too late. I'll be in shortly. <laughs> Tell Eddie we're recording two episodes in one session. Recording two episodes in one session. We're almost done. <laughs> they can hear you. <laughs> Please don't be mad at me, Eddie. I'm so sorry. You're fine. Um... Yeah, so if you uh, are on any of your podcast apps, of course, the Roman Holiday, and there are several mini episodes associated with that. Um, that was a fun episode. And if you just go to the website and search 
if you go to listen on our website and then in the search bar type, uh, there's a little search bar on the web page. If you type in Roman Holiday, all of the episodes about Roman Holiday will pop up. So go check those out. There's like, you could spend hours just digesting all the Ava content. Hours. It's great content. Hours. Listening for hours. <laughs> I Maybe I will. Um, uh, thank you, Ava, for being on the show um, and for introducing welcome. me to this movie. Which You're I more than welcome. Which I and 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 uh, listeners, um, you can follow us uh, on uh, you can follow this podcast, the Feminine Mistake Podcast, on Facebook and Instagram at Feminine Mistake Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at Fem Mistake Pod. And if you would be so kind as to leave us a review, um, that would be delightful, and we would much appreciate it. Um, I am gonna go rustle up something to eat in the kitchen, you guys. That's what I'm going to do next. I feel like this show always ends with us talking about food. Luckily, I am taking a hiatus from food right now, so I'm good. Oh, okay. Well, um... (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I don't even know I don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) Um, But I love you and adore you. And I've kept you up too late. And Eddie's going to come after me if I don't let you get to bed soon. So thanks for being on the show. And I absolutely thank you so much, Ava. I love you. I love both Phil, Nicole, and Sarah. Thank you so much for having me.